Hello and welcome to the From My Perspective podcast. I am your host, Marcus, and we have a lot to get into as the NBA season is officially a week old. Ben Simmons already has his first career triple-double. Giannis Antetokounmpo is dominating the league. Steph Curry has been tossed from the Memphis game for throwing his mouthpiece at the ref. Kevin Durant was ejected from the same game. The Brooklyn Nets and Indiana Pacers combined for 271 combined points in their season-opening game. The Pacers won 140-131. to D'Angelo Russell led the way with 30 points for both teams. We have we have some unfortunate injuries we got to talk about. In the city of Philadelphia, aren't you pretty darn happy right now? And it's only fitting we start talking about the NBA. Anyway, let's start with Dwayne Wade agreeing to move to the bench after an awful start, averaging just 5.7 points per game on 28% shooting in around 24 minutes per game so far this season with the Cleveland Cavaliers. When the Cavs first got Dwayne Wade, I thought they were going to start him off on the bench simply because he's not familiar with the team. He still needs to develop chemistry, but Ty Lue threw him right in there in the, in the starting lineup next to his buddy LeBron, and it hasn't boded well so far for the Cavs. So J.R. Smith is back into the starting lineup. I don't know why he cares so much about being in the starting five. Yes, you earned it, but you're still going to play 30 minutes a night. You're still going to get the same, if not more, shots. And I really typically don't care about labels. But nonetheless, J.R. Smith is back into the starting lineup. But D. Rose also has an injury. He'll be out two games, which means more playing time for Dwayne Wade. And hopefully he'll be able to develop some more chemistry with the team. And with Derrick Rose out the next two games with an ankle injury, it'll give Dwayne Wade more opportunities and more playing time to develop that chemistry. And since we're talking about injuries, there's already two players, two two very important players to their teams that are already out for the season. And that's Gordon Hayward, who broke his ankle. And Nets point guard Jeremy Lin, who is out with a torn patella tendon. All have had successful surgery and are recovering well. And I just want to, you know, wish them my, give them my best wishes. And I don't want to talk about injuries too long because that's depressing. So let's transition to a dumpster fire. The first dumpster fire of the young NBA season, and that's the Phoenix Suns, who have fired head coach Earl Watson. Their best player, Eric Bledsoe, wants out. Brandon Knight towards ACL in the offseason, and the front office doesn't seem to want to commit to any sort of direction. And let's start with the firing of Earl Watson. He was 33-85 and 85 and 0-3 and this season, having lost by 40 twice. He's an escape goat, but he isn't really a head coach in this league, and he kind of deserved it. Now let's go to Eric Bledsoe, who I released a YouTube video on where he best fits in possible trades, so go check that out on my YouTube channel, Perspective Sports. But let me give you some background on that. Eric Bledsoe sent out a tweet a couple of days ago that said, I don't want to be here. He has since said he was at a hair salon when it happened. No one's buying that. And... Obviously, if, we're Eric, if I'm Eric Bledsoe or anyone's Eric Bledsoe being 28 years old and the sun's tanking, you don't want to be there. You don't fit their timeline. So trading him needs to be done sooner rather than later. And the sun's GM said he won't be playing for us anymore. And there's a handful of teams that can use him. The Spurs, the Pelicans, the Bucks, the Cavs, the Celtics, the Thunder, who can use a lot more depth. He fits about any system. But the hard part is getting the right package, as I explained in the YouTube video, because non-contenders can offer Phoenix more in terms of value. But Bledsoe wants to play for a contender, which means he's not going to commit any long-term deals or commit anything long-term to anyone else other than a contender. He only makes $14 million a year. That's, I mean, he's way underpaid for his production level and talent. He would be an all-star if he wasn't in a conference with Steph Curry, James Harden, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Klay Thompson, Russell Westbrook, and that's leaving out a lot of people. But the Suns will likely ask for a first-rounder in return to get the deal done. And with Suns GM Ryan McDonough saying that he's likely done with the team, they're looking to trade him sooner rather than later. And <laughs> there's so much to talk about in the NBA that it, it's exhilarating. Uh, it, there's so much to happen in this young... Just the, the season is a week old and there's so much to happen. Let's talk about Oklahoma City. I am sold on the OK3. Yes, I know it's extremely early in the season, but I'm loving what I'm seeing. 
They're moving the ball. Westbrook is being a true point guard. He's shooting less and passing more. Right now, he's averaging only 16 shots per game. That's down by eight shots per game that he did last year. He was shooting around 24 last year. He's in 16 right now. And it really hit me during the Timberwolves game. Yes, Andrew Wiggins hit the game winner. That was amazing. But the play before that, Russell Westbrook had the ball. He could have turned the corner and drove to the rim. But no, he kicked it out to Melo and boxed out Gibson. Melo hit the would-have-been game winner if Wiggins hadn't hit his shot. And Melo has found her. And, and if you look at this team, they found their roles. Melo is the pure scorer. Paul George has been the two-way player I thought he'd be for this Thunder team at this point. And Westbrook is being the true point guard. Overall, the Thunder are playing a lot better together than I thought they would be even at the midseason form. They seem to like playing with each other. They seem to like moving the ball around, and it seems to be working. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with football on the other side. Welcome back to the From My Perspective podcast. There is a lot of sports stuff going on, and I'm really excited. We have the Houston Astros and the L.A. Dodgers in the World Series. I think the Dodgers get that series done in six games, and they'll go ahead and take home the World Series. And we also had a lot of NFL action. The Rams and Eagles are starting to run away with the NFC. We'll talk about that just a little bit. The Vikings look good. The Bears continue to win games we didn't expect them to. But let's start with Denver being shut out for the first time since 1992. The LA Chargers, 21 skunk the Denver Broncos, to put it in fun Madden terms. 21 nothing. And Trevor Simeon was slinging the ball everywhere except the end zone. He had 207 passing yards. He was 25 of 35 in interception. I can do without the interception, but... That's not an overall bad day. That's a good day. The Broncos had no run game. They had 69 total rushing yards. That's not the reason they lost, though. They lost because Trevor Simeon was sacked five times and put the team put the ball on the carpet three times, losing it twice. And by putting the ball on the carpet, I mean fumbling. They got dominated by the Chargers' defense. And the Chargers are a playoff caliber team. Don't get it mixed up. I always say this. If the Chargers weren't in the AFC West, they'd likely be a division leader somewhere. But they dominated Denver for 60 whole minutes. And it's time for John Elway to find the quarterback to take this offense to the next level with all these weapons. I like Trevor, but he's not elite. He's a high-quality holdover quarterback. What do you mean by holdover quarterback? A holdover quarterback is a guy who can hold you over till you find that franchise guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown, who I like, Matt Moore, Case Keenum, Mike Glennon was that in Chicago, Brian Hoyer. These guys are holdover quarterbacks. They're competent starters, but they're not going to take a team to that next level. They just hold you over till you find that franchise guy. And John Elway needs to do that ASAP because this team is going to continue to age and they're going to continue to get more and more expensive. And when you look across the league, this quarterback class is loaded. You can find a guy early in the draft. You're Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. You can find a guy in the middle, late first round, Mason Rudolph, Luke Folk. They need to find that franchise guy or go for an established guy like Kirk Cousins. I think it's going to be hard to lure a guy like Kirk Cousins away from San Francisco where I think he's going because Kyle Shanahan's there. Kyle Shanahan was the one that drafted him and believed in him. He has his favorite target, Pierre Garçon. DM John Lynch seems to know what he's doing. And But if you could look at Kirk Cousins and tell him, look at our roster and look at San Francisco's roster, you can come here and contend. We just need a guy like you. And if they can't do that, they have other options. They have Sam Bradford. If, 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 the, if Teddy Bridgewater comes back, the Vikings are likely going to part ways with him. They can sign him. They have Jimmy Garoppolo, a young guy. He sat behind Tom Brady. He's shown that he can play some ball. They have options out here if they don't want to go through the draft because John Elway hasn't really had the best of luck drafting quarterbacks. They have three established guys that they can go after. Drew Brees isn't going anywhere this offseason, so I left him off. But when you look across the NFL, when you see teams like the Broncos who are a quarterback away, 
It's frustrating to see. Houston was a quarterback away for the longest. They get Deshaun Watson. Now look how good they are. Denver is just that franchise quarterback away from being legitimate Super Bowl contenders year in and year out. And if they don't want to go through the draft, they have three quality options this offseason. And so before that window closes, John Elway needs to hop to it. And speaking of windows closing, not so fast for the Patriots. Their window was still wide open. The Patriots dominated the Falcons 23-7. to And the first thing I want to say to Falcons fans is, hmm, that offense doesn't look quite the same without Kyle Shanahan, does it? No. Almost identical personnel, but yet you've scored an average of 12 points per game in the last three games. All of them have been losses. But let's talk about New England. Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia have figured out this defense. This defense had a lot of moving pieces and had a lot of moving parts early in the season that really just needed to get settled in. They found right positions for guys. They found the right rotation of players to keep in the game. And it looks like a Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick run defense. Anyone who wrote the Patriots off was a fool because if you look at that offense, that offense is going to score. And when you look at that defense, you have Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia, two guys that can proven great defensive coaches, and it was only a matter of time before they found the right spots for guys. And that's why I never changed my the Patriots from being my AFC favorite despite starting extra slow to start the season. And as a quick sidebar before going into the, the, the my perspective 10 and my gambler's paradise, we are on a collision course to see the Philadelphia Eagles and LA Rams in the NFC Championship game. That's Carson Wentz versus Jared Goff just two years after they were drafted. The Eagles, they're sitting pretty atop the NFL at 6-1, thanks to Carson Wentz's magic. And the Rams are tied for second in the NFC with the Minnesota Vikings at 5-2. The Rams have the number one offense in the league, mixed with an elite-level defense, and the Eagles have Carson Wentz mixed with the 12th best defense in terms of points per game. These two teams look unstoppable. The Rams would be 6-1 and one if Cooper Cup would have just held on to the ball versus the Seattle Seahawks, and these two teams would be tied atop the NFL. The, it, I'm excited. A lot of people wrote Derek Goff off as a bust. All he needed was the proper coaching, and boom, look where it's got him. And now it's time for the perspective 10. And now who other than the Philadelphia Eagles are at number one. They're up from number two last week. Carson Wentz has his team sitting at 6-1 and one atop the NFC. They've dominated their division. They beat Washington again. And they look almost unbeatable at the moment. Carson Wentz is making these magical plays. Did you see where he was almost sacked? It looked like the Eli Manning play in the Super Bowl where he managed to get out. But Carson Wentz took off for about 10 or 15 yards. This, the Eagles are legit. Number two, we have the, the the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia have fear, finally figured out this defense. It looked like a completely different defense than the one that started the season, holding the Atlanta offense to just seven points in 60 minutes of football. Number three, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are way up after dominating Kansas City and Cincinnati in back-to-back weeks, despite Martavis Bryant trying to be the biggest distraction he can be. Number four, we have the Kansas City Chiefs down from number one after dropping two games in a row. They shouldn't have lost to Oakland, especially the way they did it. It wasn't the refs' fault when you allow a team to tie allow a team to score three times over and you were holding twice as time expired number five we have the los angeles rams and the rams absolutely dominated the cardinals and when like i said earlier we're looking at a golf wentz nfc championship game only two years after they were drafted the rams stayed at five number six we have the detroit lions who were on a bye week they're up from eight number seven we have the minnesota vikings who were not ranked last week and this defense has dominated Case Keenum is a competent enough quarterback to keep this team atop the division after seven weeks. 
and they're on a three-game winning streak and deserve to be on this list. Number eight, we have the Carolina Panthers way down from three. Cam Newton lays the egg versus a tough Chicago team throwing two interceptions, and rookie Christian McCaffrey appears to be their best wide receiver. Number nine, we have the Atlanta Falcons down from six, and the Falcons are not the same team without Kyle Shanahan. Matt Ryan has all these weapons and has looked terrible in the last three weeks, only averaging 12.3 points per game with all those weapons. And number 10, we have the Houston Texans down from nine. They were on a bye week this week. Now for Gambler's Paradise. Last week, I was one and two, bringing my season total to just above 500 as I am now nine and eight. So again, I need to go perfect. And let's start with this Pittsburgh Steelers minus three. They will cover that spread Sunday night at Detroit. The Steelers offense is in midseason form and the inconsistent Lions defense is in a lot of trouble having to stop Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, even Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, Big Ben. The Steelers defense is looking like a whole different defense from last year. The Steelers are going to cover that spread. Up next, the New Orleans Saints, minus nine. They will not cover that spread at home versus the Chicago Bears because the Bears roster is filled with talented players. Yes, they're three and four, but look at their wins. Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Carolina, all quality teams and are likely all playoff teams. I'm picking the Bears not only to cover this spread, but to win the game. Number three, we have the Seattle Seahawks, minus five and a half. They will not cover that spread at home versus Houston, who's playing amazing football led by the quarterback Deshaun Watson in that elite level defense. The Seahawks offense has struggled early in games, something they can't afford to do versus Houston's offense. This is going to be a low scoring affair. This is going to be within three points. This game could go either way. This has been the From My Perspective podcast. I hope you enjoyed.